Hello, hello! Welcome to the second episode of Sylvia's Literary Corner, where we'll discuss 19th century literature. My name is Sylvia, and today we will be talking about the witty, romantic, and sarcastic Jane Austen. My liking for this author may come as a surprise for the people who know me, given that she has written mostly romances, and I am a self-proclaimed crime, mystery, and thriller lover. I mean, I think you could guess that with my episode on Poe. Uh, however, her novels are so gripping, compelling, and relatable that you just can't help but fall in love with them. Besides, it's not about the romance itself, but how it is written that truly has me hooked. And again, she has a way of making such relatable female protagonists. In the four novels of hers that I've read, I've been able to relate to every single one of them, even if it's to their pet peeves. So before I start rambling on on the awesomeness of this 19th century British author, let's take a look at her life. Jane Austen was born on December 16, 1775, and was the second sibling of eight. They grew up in a small village of Hampshire, it's Steventon, where Jane lived for 25 years. Her father was rector of the village church, and despite her parents belonging to well-respected families, they still struggled to make ends meet. Thus, they had to turn their house to a boys' boarding school, as well as her father taking a third job as a farmer. So, taking into account that they were a large family as if, plus all the servants, plus the boys, it's safe to say, th to say that the girl needed a break from the house. Can you imagine not only writing a freaking novel, but also trying to, you know, have some privacy in a house like that? Poor Jane must have been dying to get some minutes of peace in there. Well, at least it had its advantages. For example, thanks to the broadening school arrangement, she had free access to her father's library, as well as giving her a chance to nurture her hobbies, which are present on her novels, walking, music, and going to balls to meet new people. And it was in one of those balls that Jane so greatly liked that her own romantic story began. It was January 8th, 1796. Our protagonist was only 20 years old and she was attending a ball at Dean House. There, she met a young Irish law student, Tom Lefroy. He asked her to dance and she accepts. As they sway to the music, their eyes meet and Jane's heart starts beating faster. But it was not until the dance is over that she falls in love with him. They start talking, and soon enough, they both forget that they are in a room full of people, for they only have eyes and ears for each other. After that successful evening, they start seeing each other more, Lefroy often dropping by her house. Jane was so deep in love, she was mesmerized by the Irish man. After a while, Jane starts to get nervous. A proposal seemed imminent, and she was going to say yes. However, it never came. Tom 
Tom's family caught wind of his intentions, and seeing that she was, well, not exactly flushed, and he had ten siblings to maintain, they told him that he needed to marry someone richer, because back then, marriage was an economic proposition. So they sent him away, and Jane got heartbroken. This would be the first of many almost marriage proposals for the writer. Besides, thanks to this first experience, Jen got the idea for Pride and Prejudice, so I guess it was a win after all. Of course, all of this was kept a secret, and the only one who had access to the information was her sister Cassandra. They both were inseparable. Wherever Cassandra went, Jane followed. For example, when the author was seven, her sister was sent to a girls' boarding school, and Jane insisted she'd go too. After many tantrums and much begging, she succeeded, and off she went to school, only to return a year later because their parents couldn't afford it. As you can guess, it was always money that stood between Jane and her dreams, her love life, her education, uh, becoming a writer. That's why it's such an important topic on her novels. Also, her studies uh, highlights her character, as she felt like she didn't fit in with the upper classes which was confirmed when she went to her brother's house in Kent, where she got along better with the governess than with the actual owners of the house. However low their income was, the families could still manage going on vacation, a practice that became popular during the 19th century. And the Austins went to Lime Ridges, a resort that could sort families according to their budgets. It was there, on the seaside, where Jane felt the most free and wild, admiring the effect that well, the sea had on her. This was also the place where she had a holiday fling, which her sister considers to be the love of Jane's life. In fact, she almost got married to him, but if I remember correctly, he ended up dying on a trip or something like that. So I guess failed marriage attempt number two. Also, just as a quick fact, here in Lime Ridges is where persuasion is set. In 1801, her father retired, and he wanted someplace else to rest, so the whole family went to Bath. This was horrible news for Jane, as she had visited the town before and hated it, because it was all based on appearances. After a long and exhausting search for the perfect place for the family, which by the way was only consistent of Jane, Cassandra and their parents since the brothers were in the army or rich or in the navy, they settled in four city place. I'm just leaving this information here in case someone wants to make a quick trip to Bath. And this was only the beginning of her miseries. For as the 2014 Fall Boy song Miss Missing You says, Sometimes, before it gets better, the darkness gets bigger. And <laughs> boy, did it get bigger. Three years into their stay in Bath, they had to change their residence again, this time to a lower part of the city. It was in that new house where her father got sick, presumably with malaria, and died, which left Jane, her mother, and sister to live off the charity of her brothers. This event led her to move to Southampton with one of her brothers, Frank, who at the time was in the Navy and wanted someone to look after the house while he was gone. Jane considered this the lowest point in her life, 
as she had to be dependent of her brother's will. But they were coming out of the dark. Quoting, quoting another favorite artist of mine, they were coming out of the woods. In 1809, her brother Edward was left a house in Chawton and wanted his family to move with him. So they set off to Chawton House only to discover that Edward had been kind enough to let them live on the Baddies' house, which was a cottage. However, this didn't matter much to them and they soon fell into a nice little routine where the mother and Cassandra did all the house chores and Jane played the piano, prepared tea and wrote. So next time you want to complain to your mother of the amount of work you do in comparison with your sibling, I want you to remember poor Cassandra and think, it could be worse. And this is when Jane was at her happiest. Why, you may ask? Well, this is when she became a published author. And now we have to make a little detour to explain Jane's literary life. As mentioned before, she was an avid writer, and every time she managed to find some quiet in her cramped and noisy house, she devoted it to write. She was known from an early age to write many plays, which were represented for her family, poems, novels, etc. Her sarcasm and wittiness always present, she began writing parodies of Gothic novels, and even went as far as to write a parody of British history. However, as she grew older, her novels matured with her. Be careful. That does not mean that they lost their humor or irony. They were only much more polished. Besides, she was really lucky that her family was supportive of her. Even his dad sent one of the drafts of her novels, can't remember which one, sorry, to print. Although it never was, or at least not with that publisher. In 1803, Jane sold the manuscript of Northanger Abbey, which was called Susan at the time, but it didn't get to print, to print during her lifetime. In fact, it was that prospect of becoming an author that made her, amongst other things, to reject yet another marriage proposal. In 1802, while visiting her old village, because she was living at Bath at the time, she and her sister ran into some twins. One of them fell in love with Jane and ask her for her hand, which she said yes, of course, but upon arriving home she realized she only wanted him for his wealth and she was a firm believer that he should marry for love and not for money, so she broke off the engagement. Besides, she wanted to become a writer and at the time marriage and writing did not go well together. Anyway, she tried luck again in 1811 with Eleanor and Marianne, aka Saying and Sensibility, and she got moderate success. It wasn't until she published First Impressions, later renamed as Pride and Prejudice because alliteration, that she became a successful author. Mind you, no one knew she was one, as she decided to publish her works under the pseudonym Lady. Doesn't it remind you a little bit of Poe's Abastonian, or is it just my Poe-crazed brain? Anyways, because of her success with this novel, she had to travel a lot to London, and ended up living with her brother Henry, who had a house there. This was in 1814, and Emma was starting to take shape. By the way, Emma was printed and with a new publisher, who allowed her to have more control over the copyright and the publishing process. 
However, it was not successful as Pride and Prejudice and only sold because it was dedicated uh, to the Prince Regent, who was a great fan of her work. Uh, but all this happened in 1815 and we are now in 1814 uh, where she published uh, Mansfield Park. That again, it had less results because of the characters not being as likable as in Pride and Prejudice. So I feel that she had to live up to this novel <laughs> during her lifetime. In 1816, Jane was forced to live the life in the city and moved back to the countryside as she had fallen ill. She went back to the cottage where her mother and sister were living, but a year later she had to move to Winchester to get the best medical attention possible as she was getting worse. She suffered from pains, aches, fevers and bilious attack, but that didn't stop her from writing. She kept pushing and pushing and persuasion started to take shape. As she was battling with her disease, her brother Henry, who had always had a head for business, took to securing the rights of long-forgotten and never-published Northanger Abbey. Jane managed to tweak this novel, plus finish Persuasion, plus begin another one, Sendition, before dying in her sleep on July 18, 1817. She was buried in Winchester Cathedral. There's a whole tribute to her there, in case again one of you want uh, to go on a Jane Esther tour. It was only after her death that her novels were published under her name, and it was only then that she started to get recognition. Always a private person, her family took to burning and censoring her letters, in part to give her some privacy, in part to maintain the reputation of Jane as a poor soul, weedy, and with always the best intentions at heart. These values are also present throughout her novels, uh, with her characteristic wit and sarcasm, Jane criticized the society of her time. She poked fun at the upper classes and claimed that one should always stand by their ideas, by their moral codes. She also fought for women's rights and wanted to see a better future. She was always trying to make the world a better place, advocating for what she believed was right. If there is anything to take from this podcast, this is that Jane was a force to be reckoned with. And no matter how things were or how shitty her situation was, she never let that stop her. She continued writing, doing what she felt most passionate about, fighting to create a better world through her novels. So to that, I say thanks, Jane. Not only for creating such relatable characters, but for always sticking to what you thought was right and for never giving up. And that's it for today. See you in the next episode.